you're listening to the Seven Transformations podcast. For access to the latest content, including the show notes to this episode, stay connected at the7transformations.com. Create a life you love. Transformation is an ongoing journey, and it is good that we don't have to walk that path alone. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my weekly podcast sharing life lessons on and off the competitive floor with a few stories in between. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And now, let's create a life we love. Well, welcome back, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my podcast, The Seven Transformations. Happy Friday. Today, we are back with another Create a Life You Love interview, where I interview people from a variety of places, artists, entrepreneurs, business people, professionals of all kinds on how they are pursuing their passions and creating a life that they love and living it full out. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Brenda Smith. How are you, Brenda? I am wonderful. I am so excited to be here and catch up with you and interview you for my podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. You are so very welcome. Brenda, a little bit of an introduction, then I'll let her kind of tell you what she's up to in her life. But Brenda was one of the most influential people in my life back ages ago, about, I don't know, 12-something years ago. I don't even know when it was. But when I started my dance career at ASU, just taking a class just for fun, just as an exploration, Brenda was my first teacher, and she actually introduced me to competitive dancing uh, through a competition called the Ohio Star Ball, the National Championships. So because of her, I really developed a passion and a love for competing. Her encouragement really let me pursue that as an option in my life, and it led to something very meaningful. So thank you so much for for doing that. I'm you're so, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. So tell them a little bit about what you're doing. You know, I'm, we're calling you a community builder, but I don't even think that's encompassing for what you do. I mean, you really have such a positive effect on the community here through the work you do. So you can go ahead, tell them a little bit more about what you do. Um, currently, I'm teaching at a public venue a couple of nights a week, and it's fabulous because I'm able to reach so many different people. There's about 150 people for each lesson, and it's not always the same people. There's always new people, so I'm always welcoming to new people, and I'm just so blessed to be able to touch so many lives. Yeah, and you teach uh, salsa, bachata, anything else that you guys teach over there? Uh, Cha-cha. Let's see. Merengue, bachata, salsa, cha-cha, and... We did a little bit of country the other night, just nice. a, a random thing. Um, we we do Charleston and Twist just to make points and to learn different elements. Yeah. I, I recall some of the older dancers, and we just play and have fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And pretty much there's no requirement for the class. Like, you don't have to have dance experience to go or... No, you just need to be able to walk. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. So, well... What is your favorite part of the work that you do? I know there's a lot of really fun parts to it, but maybe you can list a few. It, the most important thing is to make dancing fun and easy so everybody has the opportunity. It's just an 
awesome way to connect with others, your significant other, or if you're single to meet someone, um, dancing with friends. It's just, if everybody danced, I think we would just have all love in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the point that you made that you can, this is a little bit off the air when we were talking, but when you said you can travel anywhere in the world and you don't need to speak that language as long as you can dance and you can connect to somebody in some way that allows you to experience that culture. And, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You don't even need to know the language. Travel to all different countries and I just I just follow and let the man lead and we're connected and moving as one and sharing joy and happiness. I don't even know the language. <laughs> it's awesome. How long have you been doing what you're doing? I know remember you used to compete. Um so what was your journey like to where you are now? How did it start? Did you were you dancing as a kid? Was that something that you always wanted to do? Yes, I started dancing. Actually, I've seen video at two, but I started taking lessons at age three and had different dance goals as per the era. Mm -hmm. In high school, it no, when I was in junior high, it was very popular to be a majorette. So mm -hmm. I took baton, dance baton lessons. Majorette, what's a majorette? A baton people? twirler. Baton twirler, okay. In high school, Got they it. lead they perform out in front of the band. Mm. And when I was in grade school, that was the most, it was grade school. That was the most popular thing. And then when I got to high school, they were not as popular and drill teams became very popular. So mm. my emphasis went into the drill teams and in college I did um, a very world famous drill team. Um, and then I was out dancing in Dallas one night and a guy asked me to dance and he said I was a really good dancer. How would you like to work for me? I own Fred Astaire Dance Studio. Wow. Okay. And in two weeks I started working there. I graduated and I went to work at Fred Astaire and wow. Dallas, Texas, Preston Center. Wow. And how long did you work there for? Mm, not too long. I went to an independent studio and then back to Columbus, Ohio to work at Arthur Murray's. Okay. And when did you start doing your own thing? Like basically the track that you've been on, at least since I've known you for a good, what, 10, 12, 15 years, something like that. My own thing. Yeah. So you hmm. worked for Arthur Murray. That's a franchise. I, I would say at age 23, I branched out. I own two of my own dance studios at age 23. Okay. Wow. And then I got married and took a few years off having babies. Oh, I got back into teaching at Plantation Hospital in the Fort Lauderdale, Florida area. Um, I used to go in and teach the docs and their significant other. Oh, okay. Dancing once a week, and we just had a blast. And then I moved here and did the arts after school program. Okay, yeah. Um, down in downtown Phoenix, went to several different schools. And then ASU, someone from ASU called, and I started teaching at ASU. Wow. I taught there for about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we met. 
remember good old ASU. Uh-huh. Yes. Competition exhibition team. And now I freelance on my own. Yeah. What's that experience been like for you when you decided to freelance on your own and kind of create your own communities and things like that around the work that you do? What have been, how has that been for you? Is it, what has been, let's say, some of the struggles that you've found? What have some been some of the things that you've learned? Anything that come to mind right away? Um, struggles, it's been challenging for me when I spend so much personal time and energy and getting those people to come out and experience the dance lesson. Hmm. And then other professionals, I, I call them when they come by, they're like vacuum cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, instead of doing their own advertising, they come and get, take my students that I start training or I don't know, even my new people that just come. So it's like I have this um, cookie jar, this (laughs) cookie jar. The cookies are already there. They just come to the jar and take the cookie. (laughs) Take the cookies. Go bake your own cookies. Yeah, yeah, go bake your own cookies. So I'm trying to stay in gratitude, and I'm grateful that my cookie jar is so full, and I continually come. So now I'm trying to stay in gratitude that I have such yummy cookies that they want to come to me. To get those people, so yeah. So now I'm, I'm turning it around, and I'm feeling blessed, yeah, and letting that go, and not let that get to me. Yeah, focus on the abundance and the the positive, and it'll, it'll just shift your attention towards what really matters. I think anything where our attention goes, it just amplifies it more. So if we focus on what maybe we're potentially losing or something, I mean, I can relate the same way with a lot of the things that I do. I have to be very careful with my attention because then it shifts all that energy towards those things too. Right. So, well, I have a question for you about the relationships in your life. When you, you've had a very unique life track in the sense that although you're doing your own thing, you're entrepreneurial now, regarding following your passions, like let's say dancing, that was something that was very early on in your life, you know, since you were a little girl. And you, you know, you right out of college, high school, you started teaching. You know, most people that are going to entrepreneurial things, they kind of go through this, okay, I have a nine to five job. Then they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And then they, they find something else. But in your case, you really pursued your passions throughout your whole life. So I'm curious, what was your relationships like with the people around you that, you know, your family, your friends, the people that were closest to you, how were they through this journey? Were they supportive when you decided to branch out and do your own thing? Were they supportive when you decided to work for Fred Astaire or Arthur Murray? Or were they like, oh, you know, maybe you should get a real job. I know you're into dancing, but, you know, maybe you should go and, you know, what was your degree in college? Was was it in dance or? No, liberal arts. Liberal arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So were they wanting you to do something with that or were they supportive of your journey? And how has that been, you know, in the last, let's say, 10 years? Who was... Who was the most supportive and maybe how how did that look? I'm just trying to get an idea. Well, at a younger age, um, my mother supported my lessons by driving me to them and mm. my father supported lessons by paying for them. So they were letting me follow my passion and supportive in that way, but I never felt 
a push. Mm-hmm. Um, like a push or, in the sense of you should continue to do this for maybe a living or something like that? Or No, no. If I wanted to change from baton to jazz to tap. It was whatever. They let, they let me go mm-hmm. with that flow. Mm. Um, my mother did. Dad was just busy working to make, <laughs> to make the money. Do you money. have siblings? Um, I do. Yeah. Okay. An older brother and a younger sister. Okay. Were they doing a lot of artistic stuff too, or you were kind of the mm. artsy one? I was the artsy one. Yeah, okay. Yes. And then um, actually when I was 10, I was very taking baton lessons in Florida, and my instructor liked how well I worked with the little kids, so she started paying me to teach the little kids. So mm. actually I've been teaching since I was 10. Wow. Okay. And I just love working with others yeah what's you know when you have a class full of people we were talking a little bit off the air here and i loved how we were talking about kind of that unifying aspect of dancing when you are at dave and busters and you have your social night and all these people from a variety of different backgrounds different skin colors different shapes and sizes are coming in and you know, being together under one roof, one activity. What's that like for you? I mean, knowing that you created that space for people, uh, what does that mean for you to be able to do that? It's it's beautiful. I just feel so blessed. And I just love watching different heights, the different sizes, um, different nationalities. One night... I had, let's see, how did it go? Several people from ASU that happened to stop by the same night. Hiro stopped by from Japan. Oh, yeah, I remember. Hiro and then when he came here. <laughs> um, uh, let's see, Ahmed was there from Dubai. Uh huh. Wow. And oh, let's see, I had like, like four countries, like just standing <laughs> around United me. Nations. And then Charlie comes back from Spain to yeah. visit. And it's Gosh. just so beautiful. I have friends all over the world. They they came to ASU. They keep in touch. They come back to visit when they're in town. Um, Just feel so blessed. They're all those people smiling and talking and the different ages. There was an older gentleman there the other night and it remind I think the um you remind me of a character in the Godfather and and I went and he looked I mean I'm up there but he looked older than me and I asked him to dance he was an amazing he was dancer he was really good <laughs> I he was probably in his 70s and he, nobody he wasn't dancing with anybody yeah, and here he was quiet. really good yeah really good so i felt so blessed to experience that yeah and i have the the mother and the son come and dance and it's just beautiful it's a beautiful experience yeah you get to create those moments for people i think that's one thing that is so unique and why your cookie jar keeps filling because you really ultimately are connecting what you really love to a contributory way you know a lot of these times when i'm interviewing people about creating a life you love i think one of the key components is finding what you are passionate about what you love and finding a contributory angle to it 
you know, in a sense that what can it benefit other people? How can I create something for other people? You know, I have uh, one of my best friends, Elijah, who he's a DJ. We were talking about the impact of, you know, being a DJ and how you create a space into an experience similar to this. I mean, this is through dancing, but it's that same idea. It's like, okay, how can I create this to be a memory for people? All these different people coming together, like at a wedding. This was something that blew my mind because I don't DJ. It's something I didn't think of. But at a wedding, you have such a diverse group of people that come for that wedding. You have, you know, older people, you have younger people, you have, you know, all kinds of different tastes. And it's like, how can I create a space through music, in this case, rather than dancing, to unite those people into one common party, one common memory? You know, so it's it's such a cool thing to talk to people about how they create those experiences for others. You know, so, well, I had a question for you about your journey. You've kind of touched on a few of these, but, you know, like I ask people, especially when they're doing their own thing, when they're entrepreneurial, they're following their passions. What was the moment for you that really um, changed the game? Like it gave you some vision, it gave you some confidence. You know, like when you first got paid when you were 10 years old to start teaching those kids. That was kind of a, a moment when you could say, okay, that was like a, a big break or, or a change in my path because now I'm actually getting paid to do this. Like there's a there's a significant change there. Was there a moment that you can think about maybe in the last 10 years recently or even the last 20, 30, whatever years where that was a significant change for you? You mentioned moving to Ohio to work for Arthur Murray. You mentioned you know, that guy inviting you to basically work in Dallas for the Fred Astaire. Was there a moment you can think of right now that was the pivotal moment where things changed for you? Like, okay, I am going to do this. I'm going to, you know, do what I'm doing. Or has it just been a process for you that's just been continually evolving? Um, the most rewarding moments early on were winning the competitions mm. that was you have that trophy that that award um that has just helped so much with my self-esteem mm. to have those credentials so i've been very very blessed with that mm-hmm. but here in later years six years ago i started um going to Al-Anon because I had people in my life that were making me crazy. And I used to think I was perfect and if everybody could just live like me, I would be happy. Hmm. And I was in pain. So I went to Al-Anon and it has brought me such an awareness. And I now have a relationship with God, who is my higher power. And life is good. Oh, that's beautiful. That's the biggest impact. Al Anon is a, a community. It's a religious community, or no? Al Anon is a counterpart. If you have a friend or a relative that's an alcoholic mm. and they're making you crazy, you go to Al Anon. Oh, okay. So I went there to get answers, but but I found out I could work on me. So I've had more personal growth in the last six years than I've had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. What What are some of the things that you experienced there 
if I can ask, like, were that were so meaningful to you? Like, what was it? The face to face interactions with other people? Was it the the chance to have a community where you could be a part of during the time that was difficult for you? What about what they did made a significant difference for you in your life, or started to open things up? I think I. Well, I know I just felt serene and peaceful. And it's like I had a hoodie, a complete hood over my entire head. And it was just lifted off in such an awareness that now I can see things coming at me from all walks of life, Hmm. from friends. A friend will give me a book or a friend will give me a CD. A friend gave me a DVD a DVD and it showed me about different personality traits. I was naive enough to think everybody should have a personality like mine, (laughs) but it was beautiful to see that they're different and they cannot be like me. And it, it just having that awareness has given me a much better relationship with people and even an appreciation, even family members. So you would say pretty much that you gain some acceptance of yourself and others through those programs and through those experiences. Yes, that acceptance. was acceptance. Lots of acceptance. How has that, I'm curious, impacted your work that you do through the communities that you build, through salsa dancing, through dancing, through teaching? Let's say before you went to Al Anon and now if we look at the work that you do and the change that you experience through opening yourself up, finding more acceptance, you know, opening that, that part of your mind up with yourself and with others, how has that impacted the work that you do with people and the kind of students that you get even, or their, you know, experiences with you? Has there been a change in that department or was that, part of your life i would say consistent was were you more accepting as a teacher and the whole alanon experience changed more your personal life or did it also trickle into your work as a teacher and how you interact with students as well alanon has changed my work as an instructor dramatically mm-hmm. i used to give so much of my free time to my students like back in the asu days And then I had an expectation, like they were my property Mm. because I gave them my free time. And when they would go explore other avenues, my ego was so huge. I felt like an attack, like a betrayal. Mm. And instead of, it was, it was like ridiculous. When I learned to dance, I took from different people. Yeah. I learned black and I learned white and I put that together and made gray, which is the dancer I am. Mm-hmm. And I was so blinded by that whole thing. I hurt friendships and connections because of that ego getting in the way. And mm-hmm. that's no longer no longer. I just get frustrated sometimes when I see a student that moves from me to another instructor and they're, they've lost their technique. Mm, something um, has changed in a negative way. They get way into the glamour and the glitter right. and 
they're not working on their foundation. Mm. So I'm a technician and timing is extremely important to me. <laughs> and I just get frustrated yeah. sometimes, but that's their journey. And I'm able to let that go now and mm. let that be their journey. And I just encourage all my students to videotape themselves. And if they like who they are, how they look when they're dancing, I'll let that go. I don't think yeah. everybody has to look how I want them to look. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think as an instructor, having that acceptance and open any in any field, I don't think it's just in dancing. Obviously dancing has a visual component to it and we're, you know, creating lines and there's a lot of aesthetics involved. So naturally you would think that that would be part of it. But I think any field where you're an instructor, there is the battle between what you want for your students regardless of the level of attachment and care that you have. You have to come at it with something that you want for them. You have to create a future for them. And then kind of letting go, you know, and letting them also, whatever, whatever their path is, you can't control that. So that's a constant balance uh, as a as a teacher of any kind. So I think you really pointed to something very meaningful there. Well, I have a question kind of to piggyback this last conversation we had about obstacles is that what to you has been a recurring obstacle in your life right now for creating the life you love. I mean, you're by every means you're living your passion, you're fulfilled, you're living in gratitude, you're making a habit of really good things. But I'm curious, are there any, or is there a recurring obstacle that just keeps coming up, whether that's something external, you know, for your life, you know, like some external thing or, is it internal, like it's a it's a habit or, you know, a particular type of thought that just keeps coming up? And how do you handle it? How do you deal with that recurring obstacle? Well, other than that, um, letting go of the expectations mm -hmm. and letting go of the vacuum cleaners <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I just they're gonna suck regardless. So just let them that's suck. That's right. Those there's vacuum cleaners everywhere. So yep. I just see that there is yuck that comes in my pathway. Mm -hmm. Um, just on the freeway last night, there was some little piece of something on the freeway. That's what life is like. There's there's little bumps, there's large bumps. And I see those now. It's another lesson. And how well am I going to handle this lesson? Hmm. And I now choose to stay in the solution. I used to call everybody and tell them how horrible, <laughs> how call horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was so drama related. Let me tell everybody about this yucky thing that happened. But now... Yeah, you don't give any energy to it. No, no. Now I just know it's my lesson and how well I'm going to show my higher power how well I'm going to walk through that lesson. Yeah, beautiful. Awesome. So for you, really having a connection to something higher has been a great anchor to get you back on track from whatever is happening in your life. Would you say, would you agree? It has. I've always believed in God, but back in 19... Let's say 79, might have been 78. It was three weeks before the um, mid United States 
championships mm. and I was competing in international Latin and I was in a car with my boyfriend and dance partner and we were rear-ended. I was in the middle oh. and got horrible whiplash and and I couldn't turn my head at all. And I had this major competition coming up. And I said, God, why are you punishing me? And I was going for physical therapy every day. And I just didn't know how I was going to be able to dance. And one day I decided to have lunch in the cafeteria. And it was all paraplegics. I walked out of the hospital oh, wow. and said, God, there is nothing wrong with me. I am fine. And I won that mid United States championship, but I stopped asking God for anything <laughs> because that <laughs> was that so, point. yeah, wow. but now I know, okay. now I know it's okay to ask God for help mm. and to have, um, a daily relationship. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love it when those kind of experiences happen where we, get frustrated with whatever you want to call it, God, the universe. And then there's like a message that comes alongside with that. You know, like how you said you went into the cafeteria and you saw nothing but paraplegics. It's like, wait a minute, what am I complaining about? You know, so it's those kind of messages are always around. I think if we, if we take the the time to just notice them, you know, because let's say in an alternate universe, somebody, with your situation could have been so stuck on complaining and victimizing themselves about, you know, whatever the accident and the whiplash that they would still be in complaining mode when they were going to eat in that cafeteria and they wouldn't even notice all the paraplegics around them for the message and the lesson that was there, you know? So that was very important that you could do that, that you could see that, you know, because a lot of those messages happen all the time, but we just don't see them. So, well, looking ahead into your future with what you're doing and, you know, like I said, by every means you're living your life to the fullest, what does the future look like for you? You know, what is the work that you're doing? What is the purpose for it in the future? Where do you see yourself going and what do you need to do? Who do you need to be? What do you need to have? Those kind of things to get to that future. What's the difference between your end goal if there is one? If not, that's cool too. But what is the difference between today and that future? And what do you need to do to get there? Or what are you doing to get there? Future goals. Yeah. Mm, I'm living more each day and just give my future to God because he's got it. And yeah. I'm just rolling. If, if he wants me to teach here or in heaven, <laughs> I am good. I don't. Yeah just feel so blessed and I'm having fun and playing every day. Is there a goal? I guess hmm, I could create a goal to reach more people, to bring the love of dance to even more people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what are some ways that you, do you have any ideas in that regard of what you might want to do? Or it's just pretty much kind of just open to opportunities coming to you in a sense. Open to opportunities and suggestions. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we were talking a little bit about having some kind of, you know, some, some way that you can maybe create a, an online class. You're so, you're so gifted with people who are starting out and making them comfortable. And I loved your stories about, okay, why don't you share some of the stories? Because I think they were so good and we weren't recording when we were talking. So what are some ways that you make people comfortable in your classes? 
like you've done some awesome things. Oh, actually, I'm going to ask them at work if they will create a toy box for me because I have all these little toys that I use to make sure people remember important techniques of dancing. Um, I bring out a whip. And that gets everybody's attention, especially the men. Oh, yeah. What is she going to do with this whip? And I'll start cracking the whip. And actually, the whip is used for many different things. I tied my ankles together to demonstrate small steps. Um, I was stepped on three times last year, and my toe kept re-breaking, re-breaking the same toe three times. It's still sore to this day. So I'm very passionate about people taking small steps, even in the beginning. Um, I have some light poles. I did a a benefit for uh, the Ronald McDonald House and uh, Southwest Airlines. And they gave me, I did a choreographed a a dance group with Ronald. Oh, wow. That's cool. And they gave (laughs) us, we had the lighted vest on and the light poles. Like LED lights or something? The lights that they, they tell the planes were to park oh, oh those, okay yeah the guiding little sticks or yeah something. those guiding sticks yeah and i use those to demonstrate how i want the man to turn the woman oh okay that's cool and um there's a lead out of cradle that is similar to um a tennis racket or a, 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 a racket uh-huh. a ping pong paddle so one of my one of my couples brought me a tennis racket I can now use for my lesson. It's awesome. That's great. So just the the crazier, the better, the more we can laugh and play. It makes them remember and it makes them laugh. And I can just see when people laugh, they just open their minds to learning. Mm. It's so, I I froze when I was recently joined a gym and had an anxiety attack so about going to the gym and and working out in front of strangers and not knowing how to do what piece of equipment they're yeah, feeling and, incompetent and all this kind yeah of stuff. it's frightening so i can see how people feel frightened just to walk in so i try to tell people to tell your friends just to come and watch once if they just yeah. come and watch um some people don't know how to dress. Right, right. Like, like, I don't know. What's the attire now at the gym? Like, are my right. yoga pants not going to work there? Or my... Oh, some people go crazy, man. I mean, I've seen girls that have... You know they're there just to boost their Instagram profile with, like, the chicest stuff, leggings and expensive headphones. I'm like, okay, do you really need that for the gym? I mean, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I could so see that because they can then if you feel that way with with dancing, yeah, and if you're coming to the gym too. and you see people all dressed up like that, and, and you're already in your head, you're gonna be like, oh my god, I'm totally underdressed. Like, look at that, they're wearing like really, you know, nice clothing. Like, oh my gosh, this and that. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's why I like to take a lot of pictures and share the pictures on Facebook so mm-hmm. people can see different ages different ethnic groups different it's a space for anybody people how people are dressed they can check out all of those things before before they come for their first time i have people call me what should i wear yeah what kind of shoes do i need (laughs) isn't it funny how we get in our heads about everything Mm -hmm. yeah well with your current 
um, life, you know, you've we've talked a lot about personal growth and how that's been in your life for many years now. It's it's been on your life path, and you're so interested in reading all the time and and working with people and helping them and helping yourself. What are some strategies that you have found useful for maintaining your creative flow? For you know, you live every day to the fullest. How do you how do you do that? What are some useful things? Do you meditate? You know, you said you have a very active relationship with God. What are some some things that you employ in your life to maintain yourself at a high vibration? I I have a girlfriend, she calls it oxygen, and I just mm. love that word. Oxygen I stay oxygenated. The mm. things I do to stay oxygenated. Um, I work my Al-Anon program, which entails a lot. Um, I do archery, competitive archery. Oh, wow. It's a blast. That's awesome. And I travel to tournaments. Doing, how long have you been doing archery for? Uh, for a year. Really? Well, I did it in junior high years ago. I would love to do that. I think that looks so cool. It is so much fun. It's yeah. so relaxing. Do you go with other exciting. people? Like you have a group or... Are you uh, just kind of going by yourself to these meetings, to these events? I belong to a couple of groups here locally. Okay, cool. And travel sometimes with a friend or solo to competition. Nice. They have competitions locally and across, even across the world. Yeah, you got a pretty sick bow over there. I was looking at you over here in your house. Oh, that's that's my baby one. You haven't seen my... The hardcore one, huh? Yeah, the hardcore ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're packed away. Nice. That's... And I water ski. Love to be out on the boat. Nice. Anything around water. Love traveling. So really I'm out having dancing. something to look forward to all the time. That's something that I'm getting. I'm out dancing personally five times a week. I love country dancing. Okay, nice. Where do you go I, country dancing at? I go Tom Ryan's or out to Denim and Diamonds. Oh, I love Denim and Diamonds. Huge place. That's fun. Yeah. Very Sometimes cool. I'll go swing dancing, Lindy dancing. Even one time went out Argentine dancing, but oh yeah, no one asked me to dance. So oh, <laughs> I haven't been to an Argentine tango like milonga yet here. Oh, went contra dancing a couple times. Okay, what's so there's types of dancing for everyone. Yeah, there's a you know variety of styles there. Well, what uh, what advice do you have for people who are directly? in your field right now or maybe that are looking to make a life path out of teaching dance what advice do you have for them um or for anybody to looking not, to follow their passions really i mean i think it applies everywhere but to not forget what it was like when you first started mm -hmm. if you're a dance instructor so many people i watch students all the time they get kind of good and they become arrogant mm. like I don't think if you forget what that first lesson I for I remember that first lesson I taught I was a nervous wreck I, they only showed oh, yeah. me the box <laughs> and I had to teach somebody the box step I remember that and too. I was a nerve I will never forget that so I will always be humble and compassionate about that beginning person yeah. and always give back to the community yeah like, even if you get good, if everybody dance with one beginner or a couple beginners each night that they're out dancing, yep. how much better would our community be? Absolutely. When I first moved here, there was sometimes one place to go dancing, mm. salsa. Sometimes. Yeah. It's pretty popular now. 
Now we have several nights. Yeah. Everywhere. And I think there's room for more. Yeah. That there's so many lives that have not been touched yet. They're still home watching TV. Oh, yeah. Instead of out getting some something. good cardio <laughs> workout, yeah. meeting people, connecting, yeah. building community. It's not like years ago where people had open backyards. Now everybody has fenced in swimming pool areas and mm-hmm. they don't even know their neighbors. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So to it's a great way to build community, to come out and socialize. Absolutely. I mean, I think dancing is one of the most effective ways to really, it just hits so many benefits. You know, it's got the physical part. It's got emotional. It's got social. It's hard to really meet that in, in any other activity. It's got so many things to it. So it's beautiful that you get to be directly in that experience, creating that for others. I know. It is and then way. to meet someone. I mean, yeah. I, I keep my couples at my lessons separated, <laughs> couples in one area, and then I call it speed dating. You, but you know what? Like, it's the best speed dating. So many people like from our from our team way back when, like I said, 12, 14 years ago, like I remember so many people that met through that competitive performance team that we had in college that were married, that ended up having families and kids. And- yeah, they have, we have salsa babies. <laughs> I can create a whole team of salsa babies. Oh my gosh. Well, anything that you are excited for that's coming up right now? Anything, any projects, any trips, any fun things coming up for your life? I have archery tournaments coming up. and When's your next archery tournament? I have tournament? a grandson coming up. Oh, my goodness. So that's exciting. Yeah. When's the due date for the grandson? September. Wow. Is that your first grandson? or That'll be my first. I have first. two step-grandchildren, but this will be my first. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Well, what are you grateful for right now? We're coming up on the end of the interview here, Brenda. What are you, what's the biggest thing you're grateful for today? Oh, oh that I, I know. I'm sure there's a lot in through there. Through a whole list. <laughs> I'm grateful for this water. I'm, my isogenics, my purse, my curtains, my home. Yeah. My, my body, my health. Yeah, I mean, you're an inspiration. You really are. Like I said, you, you've influenced my life so much. And to see you, you know, after so many years uh, that you're just living life to the fullest and giving back and passionate about about changing people's lives, about beginners, I mean, you know, about sharing what you love. That's so cool. You know, and you're just every day you're taking it full on. So I think you're an inspiration. So I'm grateful for interviewing you today. Well, thank you. Being here in this moment. Any final words of wisdom from your life path that you want to share with people listening? Mm, No, I would say if they're pursuing dance, whatever they're pursuing, they put their, just put 100% into it. Mm. And with an awareness and to live in gratitude. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. I think gratitude is, one of the things we can get and never never get enough of. You know. Turn it around. If you see something yuck, try to see like recently I've been thrown into uh my husband passed away two and a half years ago and I've been thrown into a single scene. Mm. And then in a single scene you meet people and then you're rejected. Right. Yeah. So when I'm rejected Someone told me the phrase, man's rejection is God's protection. Hmm. 
So what you think right now is is um, a yuck, a bump in that road, is actually you're on the way hmm. to paradise. Yeah, moving forward. It's just going to be better. Yeah. So just turn over to your higher power. He's got it. Yeah, awesome. Beautiful. Well, where can they find out more about you if they're in town, if they want to check out your class? If they're curious about dancing, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. So where can they find out more about you? They can come to Dave and Buster's Tempe Marketplace on Sunday or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Nice. Yeah, the women get in free get between, if they get there before seven thirty, and it's only five dollars. Nice, and I'll whip, bring the oh, whip out, bring the whip out. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that concludes our interview on creating a life you love, guys, with Brenda Smith. Tune in every Friday, where I host conversations with some amazing people about their journey towards living a life full out. If you'd like to be on the show or contribute to a future piece. You can reach me through my website or social media accounts. I hope that this episode has contributed to your own journey. If you know anyone who would benefit from today's show, share it with them. You never know what difference it will make on their path toward living their full purpose. Likewise, if this show adds value to your life and you'd like to contribute to its future, every bit goes a long way. So you can find links to my Patreon and PayPal accounts through the website. I have pledged that 20% of all the contributions I receive from the show will go to a charity of your choice from my community page. That way we can make the world a better place together. So thank you for supporting the show and helping me create a resource for people to empower themselves in creating a life that they love. And thank you so much again, Brenda. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you next Friday. You're listening to the 7 Transformations Podcast with your host, Tudor Alexander. For weekly articles on creating a life you love, stay connected at the